In John chapter 1, I read that law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So here's a question. Is the law of God, is it bad? I would say the law is perfect at showing us what we ought to be like, but the law is powerless to help us actually become that way. I have a friend and I kind of get the impression that what they do when they read the Old Testament and compare it, contrast it with the New Testament is that they pit the moral vision of the Old Testament against the moral vision of the New Testament and find it wanting. In other words, they pit Jesus against the law in terms of moral perfection, viewing the law as bad and Jesus as good. And then this week I listened to a preacher who was asked the question, hey, if the Old Testament ends up accurately portraying what God was really like, what would that do to your conception of God as a Christian theologian? And the guy actually said, man, that would undo my theology. That would actually radically mess up my whole vision of God. He said the Old Testament images God as a completely different person than Jesus images his father. He says the Old Testament God says, kill your enemies. And the New Testament Jesus says, lay your life down for your enemies. The Old Testament God is violent. The New Testament God is pacifist. Both of my friends here the pastor and my other buddy, kind of pitting the Old Testament against the New Testament as one being bad and the other being good. I cry foul. I say, nope, you guys are wrong. I see Jesus all over the Old Testament. Now, what I'm not saying is that we're still under the Old Covenant. What I am saying is that the revelation of God that's shown to us in the Old Testament is not eradicated, it's not contradicted by the New Testament. Rather, it is fulfilled in the New Testament. Some people think the relationship between the Old and the New Covenants is something like this, something like this. Old Testament is bad, New Testament is good. Old Testament is worse, New Testament is better. Old Testament is dark, New Testament is light. Old Testament is boo, New Testament is yay. The apostles, on the other hand, seem to view it more like this. Old Testament is set up, New Testament is payoff. Old Testament is promise, New Testament is fulfillment. Old Testament is shadow, New Testament is reality. Old Testament is clue. New is reveal, clue, reveal. Old is problems presented, new is solutions, resolutions given. Old is questions raised, new is answers given to those very questions. Old is childhood, new is maturity. But probably the best summary is just that word promise and fulfillment. The new covenant is, I'm going to say this very plainly, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. That is a fact. The Bible is clear about this. Hebrews makes much of how specifically the new is better. 
But it's not better because God screwed up in the Old Testament or that we should be ashamed of the Old Testament or that God's laws were unrighteous in the Old Testament. Many people, particularly the new atheist critics, believe that is the case. God in the Old Testament is highly morally regrettable. Well, first off, the old is meant, completely meant to be preparatory for Jesus so that when he came, we would recognize and appreciate his true greatness more fully. We were the problem with the old covenant, not God. The law was good. The covenant was amazing, but we didn't keep it. It wasn't in our nature to keep it. The new covenant makes an indwelling divine righteousness that causes us to fear God, honor God, obey God, love God from the heart. That's the primary difference that Ezekiel and Jeremiah envision. That's what grace is about. Grace isn't a license to sin. Grace is the power to change. God's holy. Grace makes God's holiness our internal nature. God stays the same in the new covenant as he was in the old. We change. Modern believers tend to play down God's holiness. We tend to shave all the sharp edges of holiness and all-consuming fire. We just shave that off of God. And then we make grace, we redefine grace as God putting up with our stiff-necked stupidity. Our image of God has been housebroken and tamed and neutered. It's been fixed. But God, actually, the real God, he hasn't been housebroken. He's still an all-consuming fire. And to worship him still means to take a posture of reverence and awe. To climb God's holy hill still means to have clean hands and a pure heart and not to lift up our souls to an idol. The new covenant hasn't changed that. Rather, it has enabled us to do that because grace doesn't lower the standard, it transforms the sinner. I've even read the idea that God poured out all of his wrath on Jesus and now he has none left over for anyone else. It's as though before Jesus, God was one way, but after Jesus, he's a completely different way. I see a lot of stuff in the New Testament that indicates that the stakes have actually gone higher, not lower. That the stakes of rejecting Jesus are higher than rejecting the law that came through Moses. To me, this whole idea of God was one way and then Jesus came and now he's a completely different way. That sounds to me like a choose-your-own-adventure self-deception, choosing what to believe based on what we want to be true instead of submitting to reality. This theology I'm talking about says... That the age when God used to have such strong negative reactions against sin, that's over. God's now in recovery, apparently, from his anger problems, thanks to the cross. That's terrible theology. And that theology is extremely difficult to square with the New Testament and the Old Testament, which rather, in my mind, the Old and New Testament flow together in unity. What they don't flow together in unity with is current Western cultural sensibilities. That's the real issue that I see, is that we have a conclusion, seeking an argument, and looking for evidence to support it. I'm not saying that I don't believe in the idea of progressive revelation, right? The idea that God shows up and meets us where we are and moves us the next step along the way. I'm not saying that I don't believe that 
there's a redemptive trajectory throughout God's self-revelation. I believe both of those things. I believe in the redemptive trajectory. I believe in progressive revelation. But I really believe in the essential unity of all scripture. I believe God knows what he's doing and he's telling one coherent story from Genesis to Revelation. One coherent story that culminates in Jesus. And here's what I wonder. I wonder if the modern church is able to worship God for his judgments and wrath the way the church in the book of Revelation does. They say, hallelujah, the smoke is rising from fallen Babylon and it will rise forever. Praise God. Do you hear that? They aren't apologizing for God's wrath. They're not pretending it doesn't happen anymore now that Jesus has come. They're not tucking the Old Testament God and hiding him away. And the New Testament does not erase the character of God as though in the Old Testament he's not gracious and forgiving and loving and merciful and kind and long-suffering and redemptive. He is all those things in the Old Testament. And as though in the New Testament he does not become angered eventually when we continuously rebel against him, especially when we harm the poor or widows and orphans, he still does. Back to my original point, law and grace. Here's what I think. The law was never intended to be the source of relationship with God. Rather, the law was meant to be a moral guide for those who are in covenant with God. We, humans, were always loved and forgiven by grace, never by earning. Never. Not in the old covenant, not before the law was given through Moses, and not now. I don't care whether we're talking about Adam and Eve, Melchizedek, David, Moses, or me. Nobody in human history was ever saved by works of the law, not one. Nobody in human history was ever the recipient of salvation because they earned it, not one. Nobody in the Old Testament was ever forgiven by the blood of bulls and goats or sheep or rams or birds, not one. You say, well, then how were they saved in the Old Testament? They were saved in the Old Testament the same way you and I are, by grace, through faith. They were saved by Jesus. Their faith was counted as pre-Christian faith because it was Jesus working in their life and Jesus was the one to whom they were responding, though they didn't know his name yet. And if you had the faith of Abraham, Jesus says to the hard-hearted leaders of his day, you would do the things Abraham did. He saw my day and believed. Paul says that the old covenant and all the laws, they were never about saving us. They were a temporary moral tutor to train and prepare us for the time came when we would finally grow up into maturity and full freedom. The law never undid, says Paul, the principle that was established before the law that Abraham discovered, which is righteousness as a gift for everyone who just trusts God, trusts God. So the law came alongside the principle of faith. It didn't destroy it. It didn't replace it. Rather, the law is fulfilled by those who walk according to the faith of Abraham, says Paul. And now that Jesus has come, we no longer need the scaffolding. Okay, so what's my point? I think my real point is that 
I'm tired <laughs> of these sort of I'm ashamed of the God of the Bible takes. So I want to escape from the moral teaching of the Bible by undermining the Old Testament and then by re-articulating the New Testament in my own image. And I'm going to repaint God. I'm going, guys, God doesn't need to be repainted. For example, you don't have to be ashamed of God's wrath. Human wrath is what you ought to be ashamed of. The wrath of people, says James, almost never brings about the righteousness God requires. The only times God gets angry is when it's unloving to not get angry. In other words, he's so slow to anger. The anger of God is one of the virtues of God. And unlike human anger, the only thing that ever motivates divine anger is love. And the secret, says Abraham Heschel, the secret to divine anger is concern. He cares. Someone who has no anger, no matter what injustices you do to others, doesn't care. So we don't need to revision God. We're the ones who need the transformation. We're the ones who need the grace to change us so that we can abide and dwell more fully with God, so that we can fulfill the heart and essence of what the law always was about, which is love. Paul summarizes the Old Testament law and prophets as love. Love is a fulfillment of the law. Where did he get that? He got that from Jesus, who said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, strength. And then the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The essence of law is love. Are you going to tell me we've improved on that truth? No, 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 no. Law is good. But, but law is not the regulator of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the regulator of the Christian life. Which means, friends, I think we need to upgrade our experiential relationship with the interactive third person of the Trinity because we're not supposed to be led by mere principles, biblical principles. We're meant to literally be guided in life through the biblical presence. I've said a lot of stuff. God's good. The Jesus of the New Testament is the fulfillment of the promise of the old. The new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed. There is a fundamental unity to the Old and New Testaments, and the unity is Jesus, who is the main hero of the story. So let's not make the grace of God into a license to sin. Let's not lower the standards. Let's not weaken and try to neuter God so that we don't have to feel bad. Can we just go deeper into the mystery of the experiential God and let him change us? And so we can rejoice in the things that the New Testament authors rejoice in instead of argue them away. That's the thought of the day.